0: Tricky Kid Radio. My name is Roy Turner. Uh, as you probably noticed at the beginning of the show, uh, our normal uh, intro song uh, has been changed to uh, one of my favorite Prince songs, because as you know, that Prince passed away this week. Uh, anybody that knows me, uh, that knows anything about the show or listens, knows that um, he was my greatest inspiration. Joining me this week uh, is Nicole Lamons, uh, aka uh, my sister Nikki. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, You know, you know, I've been wanting to kind of do this. I want to have you on the show for have you on the show now for a while. And uh, and I also, you know, like I said, would want to do like an all prints show. And I'm just sorry that it's under these circumstances that this has happened. Uh, Here's what we're going to do is, again, this is going to be a special two hour episode this week. And what we're going to try to do—I know you probably have been, you know, as a listener, you've been inundated with so many eulogies and 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 uh, you know tributes and everything else—and and that's great, as it should be. I'm I'm so happy to see that. And we're going to do our best to try to get through this. Uh, we're both very, very, very close to this. This is a a very, very personal topic for us both. Uh, Prince has provided the soundtrack to our childhood, our friendship, our um, it has framed pretty much every moment that we, that we have had. And it's just it's just our link. It's our bond. Uh, so that's why I'm also so grateful for to you here because I, I really couldn't. I wouldn't want to do this show without you. I really couldn't do this show without you. Um, but the main thing I want you guys to know that this isn't a show this time. This isn't about filling up time. This isn't about content. Um, this isn't about, uh, you know, adding on kind of dogpiling with adding Prince's name to the, to the current 24-hour news cycle. What we're going to try to do over the next two hours is bring you uh, just stories uh, from from two genuine uh, friends, I mean fans and friends that that really love this, uh, that have lived this. Not to mention, also you're going to hear a lot of songs uh, that you probably may have never even actually heard before, maybe even a few Nikki that you haven't heard before. So, uh, so we're excited to bring bring that to you. Uh, Unfortunately, like I said, you know, our excitement is met with uh, just sheer freaking just disappointment and, 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 you know, disbelief. this feels like a complete nightmare.
1: Yes, it does. It, it's the last few days have just been horrible. Just watching it on TV and listening to the tributes on our radio and all of that. has just been constant in my head.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and, and that's what I, I was saying before. Was it that, okay? That's, that's the, that's the honest thing is what, what it's introduced to me is this weird new emotion because it's like, okay, we were talking about all the eulogies. Like, okay, uh, they did a big tribute on Saturday night to, on Saturday Night Live. Did, did you yes, see it? Yes, I did watch it. Okay, that. so I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. The you first saw, half was awesome. Okay, the first half was awesome.
1: Yeah, the first half was film um, clips of okay. him doing okay. performances, and it was very rare songs, most of it. Okay. Um, the second half was Saturday Night Skits. And uh, so it wasn't quite as good as watching the performances. But sure. The whole show was good.
0: Well, I know that I heard that Jimmy Fallon was the one to introduced he, Yeah, it. he
1: did a
0: good job. And his of course, his band leader is Amir Questlove Thompson from the roots, yeah. who is a Prince historian. I mean, he literally has taught classes about Prince at NYU. Uh, I, I'm actually in debt to, uh, to Questlove in a sense, but it's because of my love and knowledge of Prince. Uh, We, um, I've met him a few times, uh, and he's, he's friends with with Claude, who I worked with for many years. And, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I had, you know, he's got like 2 million followers, but I had said something about Prince that he saw and liked and recognized me as a kind of a fellow historian and retweeted a couple of things that I had said a couple of times. And I went from having, I got like 7,000 new followers based on piggybacking off of his 2 million. So I, uh. But this is what I wanted to mention, though, is that uh, I'm sure all the eulogies are, of course, are well intended. And and again, we're not this isn't about competition and ours is better. And and we have no interest in any of that kind of crap. I do want to mention that, like, on one hand, it's it took Prince to bring music back to MTV. Right. You know what I mean? It like it took this like he should have his own channel. He should have his own planet. He was his own planet. Do you understand? Yeah. that's the kind of artist I want to talk about. you know this isn't about you know we we've lost so many people this year, and I don't want to again get into who whose death is the saddest and none of that. We're here to celebrate the life and legacy of of a of a an entity that has meant so much to us personally this is this is our story today and about and and about Prince and what he's what he's provided um But like I said, you know, it it entered this weird new emotion for me because, you know, I see it on MTV. But, you know, whenever, of course, you know, I called you in complete and total horror and in disbelief that this Mm -hmm. was actually happening, I – you know, a lot of people deal with grief in different ways. Uh, You know, like anytime somebody passes away that's big and famous suddenly – like right now, I think Purple Rain is number one on the charts again and its greatest hits is like number two. And that's how people kind of deal with it. And, you know, I – for a lot of people, maybe for Prince, it was the story kind of ended a while ago, and now they're being reminded of it, and that's why they're dealing with it. But mm-hmm. the point of this is that he, Prince has been our one constant. Right. It, yeah. it never went away. And again, that doesn't make yeah. us cooler or bigger fans. I just want to illustrate that, that, right. that Prince has been the one constant. Uh, I The story never ended for us. I He released four albums in the last 18 months, and I know all of them frontwards and backwards is like they sit right next to my other Prince records. Right. You know? Um, so I think that's, that's kind of a thing. Um, but it's just in a year where we've lost so many people. Okay. That I don't think you will ever become immune or numb to it. Okay. But even it was kind of like when David Bowie passed away, it was just kind of like, it was the unthinkable, but it, I was with somebody that was so alive, mm-hmm. so recently. Somebody, it's a nightmare that I never, ever wanted to have to face.
1: Right. It's me either. When you text me and, and was saying, tell me it's not true. I didn't even know what was going on. Right, and, right. Um, That's all I could say. Other people were texting me at the same time. And I was like, what is happening? So I turned on the TV. And for me, the TV, having it on CNN and all of that constantly is more of a comfort for me. Okay. Um, just okay. because it makes him. Still with me, I think, Right, you right. know, and, and I don't want any of that to stop. Sure. And I know it will eventually.
0: Yes, but, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I can, I can relate to that, too. Uh, for me, however, like I said, you know, I, I felt like I needed to kind of be a part of it because – for me, and you know this too, and like how people were calling you, is it as much as I have my own art and my own vision and my own expressions and my own dreams and goals and everything else uh, to express and to, to do and and been thankful I've been able to do them. Uh, my inspiration, the, or the inspiration, I'm sorry, that Prince has provided that has also almost equally has defined me. Uh, whereas I'm that I'm that guy, you know I. Like if I have a Metallica friend, my friend Ryan, if something had happened, unfortunately, to those guys, he would, you know, to know me, to spend five minutes with me, I quote his lyrics like scripture, his uh, everything about him and his art, his vision, his message has meant so much to us, has framed so many moments for us. But it's not something, again, that ended in the 80s or even in the 90s for me. It's something that I draw daily inspiration from. And so one of the hardest parts for me was that is that him passing away has left me adrift in this – I feel confused. I feel like I've taken a long look at my own life. And, and, you know, how, you know, this isn't something I never thought we were ever going to have to face. We were ever going to have to deal with And Even if, even if he was, you know, 97, I wouldn't be prepared for it. Even if we were in our, in our seventies. Okay. I don't know how to face one day without him in the world let alone forever now he, he'll be treasured and remembered and celebrated literally as long as there are people breathing right and that's okay so we have that and the
1: good thing is he's left so much music right so much of it
0: and but you also have, and so i'm not trying to be like a, a glass half empty kind of person but it's like you have to think like oh my gosh like you know again you know, there was no decline he released four right. albums in the last 18 months he performed his last concert, you know, right. somebody that is just that alive and just, yeah. and so full. And uh, so for me, like I said, it, it introduces a new narrative because at least for right now, it's like, I've never not been able to listen to his music or see him. Do you understand? I mean, I was listening to his music the morning that t- my friend Tony texted me. And he was like, dude, like again, because to know me and suddenly, of course, I was being bombarded with, with texts and calls and, and I was in this weird, weird fog because I had just woken up and it it just, again, it just, it's, it's unthinkable. And again, not to eschew anybody's beliefs or, or whatever, but it's just kind of like, and I don't want to sound, you know, silly about like, well, you know, he had special powers, but it's just like, if, if he didn't make it, what Chance, does you know what i'm (laughs) saying like you know and i I know that sounds like a silly thing to say but it's just uh you know it's it's hard to see him not that i didn't see him as a person but it it is hard to to to, to think that somebody like him is uh um even even capable of (laughs) (laughs) of (laughs) do do you know what i mean you know but again i said what introduces that new narrative is that I've never not been able to listen to Prince. I've never not been able to. And so right now, that's where my mind is right now. I, I, I had, I, I tried to turn on MTV because I said I wanted to be a part of it, but I had to turn it off. And again, like I said, you know, it's neat to have Prince's name on everybody's lips right now. And, and but it also, it's like, you, you know how the 24 seven, you know, new su- machine right. works and to see, it, but you feel removed from it because what they're usually talking about is stuff that you know about, but it's not anything that is like, you know, Prince's music is the sound of my own voice. It's my own heartbeat. So when I see it, it provides me with a perspective like, oh, OK, so that's what they do. You know, Is what I appreciate, like at the Grammys this year or whatever. They'll do that in memoriam in just God, just to see that he's going to be a part of that just makes me so. Yeah, but you have to think
1: though, not everybody gets the twenty-four hour news thing. They're only very, very special people get that. Right,
0: right, and that's my and point I as well. I think his
1: was more than twenty-four hours. It was more like forty-eight hours, you know. And or it's even still, longer. Um, Our Heart Radio still has a tribute going. You right. know, it's just been going continuously yeah. for almost a week now. Not everyone gets that, even superstar people. Don't everybody gets that treatment? That's a great So it point. just shows you how special he really was in his music and how it touched people.
0: And and that's, that's such a great point. That's what I'm, that's what I meant was, was that, you know, anybody, I guess famous would have to go through that initially, but like you said, the prolongedness of it, mm-hmm. the longevity of it, you know it's, it's just, it's unthinkable. It's, it feels like a nightmare. I mean, mm-hmm. not again, not that anybody else's death is whatever. I mean, golly, David Bowie, Lindy me kill Mr. from motorhead. Right. Uh, my own personal heroes, you know, five dog and, and all these, all these people, and it's just kind of like never once that I think, you know, somebody, somebody surround Prince, because uh, it's just, it's yeah. not even, it's not even thinkable that this, right. that this person, that just. Well,
1: like I said, he's still continuously performing and going to shows, and so there was no thought process, right? That sure. Something
0: that even happen. Uh, some of the other eulogies I said I, I wanted to mention was was that, you know, it's just it's like a, you know, for you and I, Prince's Prince's our handshake, it's our it's our it's our secret signal, and not not it's a secret, but you know what I'm saying? It's. Uh, when you think of Prince, you think of me. When I think of Prince, I think of you and our memories and everything else. And um, When I first started touring, uh, when I first met Claude Coleman Jr. from the band Ween, and I first started touring with him uh, with his solo band, Amandala, and I was at all the Ween shows and stuff, whatever. Um, you can ask him and anybody that was in on the road with us in the vans you know and he, you know we bonded over how much he loves prince and and, and how what a influence he's been on him and and again it's so it's been kind of my handshake with a with you know it's kind of been like my my thing it's like um mickey uh you know the band they go, go by Dean and gene ween uh mm-hmm. dean ween mickey macchiando he uh is uh a a massive massive prince fan and he uh he did something where uh i saw that he did this thing where he had you know he had like the floodlights on the back of your house and he had made them purple and 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 you know and i think that's still the image that people uh associate most of course with his was you know not mickey mickey's like us he knows it all like we do but uh but you know they all so I don't I don't I don't fault people for that I I understand it for a lot of people that when they think of him it's all, it's all about the purple and it's all about the purple rain mm-hmm. and everything else but um uh but I I wanted and, and, speak, and such as of course was the thing I wanted I wanted to mention to you was that uh you know um the very next day after I I mean I literally I mean I'm I'm doing my best right now to sound happy or happier and capable, but I'm completely like inconsolable. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that hasn't changed. And that's what I mean. I don't, I don't know when that will, because for me listening to it right now has taken on this weird narrative because I've always drawn so much and and, and it shouldn't, that's just me being grieving, you know, but it's not something I've been able to do. So in a, in a matter of healing, uh, you know, they had George Clinton on, I think it was CNN or whatever, and talking about Prince. And I, th- I think you might know this, but somewhere in the 80s, uh, you know, uh, George was down and out, man. He was in a lot of tax trouble. He was even homeless for a while, hopelessly addicted to drugs. And as a part of Prince's, just a part of his spirit, because you know he wasn't just an amazing genius like no other. The greatest singer, the greatest performer, Eric Clapton was asked – what's it like to be the greatest guitar player? He goes, I don't know. Ask Prince. Right. Uh, But he also was an amazing human being and he found George Clinton and got him up on his feet, paid off his tax debts, got him back living and recording. So the fact that I was able to go see George Clinton in parliament, funkadelic the night after to, to heal is directly related to Prince. Right. He's because, Sorry, but Clinton was—he was on uh, such a downward spiral, and even at an advanced age, that I hate to think what would have happened if he hadn't. And uh, but something happened that I haven't had a chance to tell you about was that obviously everybody there was thinking about it, you know. And uh, George and the band just let he, they let the music do the talking. They didn't, you know, they didn't make any dedications or whatever, but they did the right thing that the minute the show was over, because it was about, you know. La- you know, smiling and laughing. And have you ever seen George Clinton? It's a straight two and a half hour show. There's no breaks. And right when the show ended, when they walk off stage over the PA, you know, like how the lights come up and the PA comes right. on. Right then, they played uh, Purple Rain over the PA, and it was something. It was that. It was that moment where it was like, you know, like I felt like I was going to wake up the next day, and like it was all like it was all it was all all a hoax. Yeah. You know, I mean yeah. th- that's the level of disbelief. Right. So in that one moment it was a harsh sense of reality but it was such a great thing because again I haven't been able to to listen or even look at it and it was almost want to want to isolate but in that moment it was such a beautiful moment because everybody was filing out and everybody when they heard that everybody just froze and started to sing along.
1: Oh. Yeah, that would be a great
0: moment. And in a in a, in a public thing. I mean, you, there was a lot of public stuff. You know, like I said, Spike Lee in Brooklyn. I, you know, he didn't know what to do. He just knew he needed to do something. Mm-hmm. So he told everybody, "Hey, just come to my studios, whatever." They did an outdoor screening. And again, like I said, I'm not trying to, to, to disrespect anybody else, but you know, like 8,500 people showed up, and that's cool. But you know that a part of them, for them, it was just it was a happening. You know, yeah. they wanted to be – and that's no diss on Spike Lee. He just felt like, I, I need to do something. Yeah. And, and that was happening, obviously, at the First Avenue Club in Minneapolis. They were going to have an all-night thing. And and I got to tell you, like, to be a part of something like that would, would be neat. But I almost would almost kind of be embarrassed to kind of be surrounded by this kind of like – like suddenly morning prince is cool or something, you know. Yeah. Uh,
2: and
0: this gave me something – unexpected. You know, it wasn't, it had no agenda other than than what it was. And so suddenly everybody is filing out and everybody just freezes like they were told to or something. (laughs) This like without, without hyperbole, we were frozen in our tracks and, and that part, and people were openly weeping. And I don't mind telling you, I was one of them and I'm going to try to not cry right now when I tell you this, but it was, um, you know, the part, a lot of people don't know this, but the song Purple Rain that you hear on the, on, on the actual album, it's actually live. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wendy Melvoin is playing that for mm-hmm. the first time. Okay. Like when you hear it, right. He did a few overdubs, but when you hear those moments of sheer, uh, you know, um, uh, spontaneity, when he goes, he goes, he goes, honey, I know, I know, I know times are changing. That for me was the waterworks for me right. because, that spoke to me in the sense of like, that's what it feels like. Like there's Prince and now that he's gone, it, it's this BCAD thing for me or something. It's a, it's a weird, I'm not trying to make some type of religious comparison or anything like that. I just mean like, like, you know what I mean? Like, like now that he's gone, talking about him in past tense is just something I'm just not ready to do. I can't do and. And hearing him actually say, I know that times are changing, mm-hmm. was, it was, it's heartbreaking. It, it is gut, heartbreaking. Gut, it's got heartbreaking.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was in the car on the way here, and um, they played a quote, and it said that the songs are his babies because when he leaves, that's all that's going to be left. And then I thought to myself, well, that's now. You know? Yeah. That was hard to take, hard to listen to. Yeah.
0: And again, like I said, it's not anything I would ever be prepared for, even if he was 90 and had had an album out in 20 years. Okay. But I was listening to hit and hit and run phase two the morning of, I have it right next to to my thing. I wake up in the morning and it's just part of my daily routine, you know? So, but what we're but and speaking of music, here's what what we're going to do is is like you said, he still think about all the music, like he'll be celebrated till the end of time. Think about this. We live during, during, his time and while we live this we have seen him in concert many 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 times i hate to think about what you know uh, how much more music he could have made but as you all know very famously prince has what he calls the vault and uh from here on out i will be referring to prince in the present sense no not in the past i won't say print prince had his vault i say prince has his vault uh, but you know what i got mine and as you know, that I have been an obsessive, you know, tape album collector for over 25 years. Um, and I've been able to meet some of the former members of that were in his band. And I've been able to trade tapes with engineers and, and I I've amassed quite a collection, probably nothing like the actual real vault. And, <laughs> and that's, that's what also it leads to yourself is like, you know, gosh, you know, he didn't have any kids and you know, you don't even really think of him having any family. So like who's going to honor all this? What is, you know, if we have any chance of actually seeing the vault? You know, yeah. well, so what I want to do today is that I wanted to, uh, I, I'm going to open up my vault because one thing that might be kind of fun for you guys is that, uh, with all the eulogies and all the, uh, the tributes that are happening, uh, you might be hearing, you know, all your favorite songs, but wouldn't it be kind of neat to kind of show you some other things that you may not have heard and, uh, and tell some stuff. So, uh, I'm going to get to that here in one second, but the, uh, the, the thing I want, I wanted to talk about, and I really want to frame this, this is probably the most important part of all of this for me is, is with you being here is this is, uh, for our listeners out there, you know, you know, this was, um uh, uh, you know, I spent the first 12 years of my life in Little Rock, Arkansas. You spent your first 20. Uh, and so we grew up in like in Little Rock, nowhere poor as church mice. And, uh, and I remember how proud you were of the, you know, you had gotten that stereo uh, for. Uh, I don't think it was your. I want to. Oh, oh, you were younger, you were about fourteen. Yeah, I was yeah. about
1: fourteen. So it was probably a birthday present. Okay. Or okay. Like that.
0: And 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 here's the deal. And this is something I really want, want people to people to know. And again, is that I'm your I'm your younger brother. Okay. And at that time, uh, let's say let's let's paint it to be around like eighty two. That magical summer of eighty two. Okay. Uh, so I'm eight. All uh, right. And then you, so it makes you no, moved it about, 14. about fourteen. Yeah. Okay, and so obviously, you know, you know, a fourteen-year-old teenage girl doesn't want her, a, 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 you know, a hyperactive, weird, eccentric eight-year-old brother. No, I didn't. I, 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 <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and your, your room, of course, was next to mine, and I've always instinctively looking back, I've always been drawn. I wanted to be down with what you were doing, you know, my cooler, or older sister and all that. But I've always been drawn to like people that were one of a kind. It was always just something kind of, you know, like love him or hate him. Like you got people like flavor, Flav or whatever. I've always just been drawn to people that are just, you know, like Barry white or, you know, people that are Bjork people you couldn't compare anybody else to. And I remember that you had, uh, A stack of albums. I mean, I'm looking at your room right now. I can tell you everything about it. And and so for me, I wanted the forbidden. I wanted to to see what was in your room. I wanted to be part of what you were doing. You had this shiny new stereo and you had these albums. And I knew that Prince was your favorite. And I remember you had the 1999 album and it just looked so crazy. The way, you know, there's always, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: it's insane. Yeah. And it's always, you know, and of course, you know, time has gone on and people have said, you know, lunacy, like things like, well, there's a hidden message. And, uh, yeah, yeah whatever. whatever. But just for an eight year old brain, this is unthinkable. What what is this? This is insane. And I, And instead of being afraid of it, I wanted to be a part of it. OK, and I want because of you and I wanted to be near it. And for my own self, it just it kind of spoke to me in a sense of just with almost what I would actually actually hearing it. I mean, it, you know that magical summer of eighty two. You know, we were so poor that for us getting cable, oh my god! Yeah, remember it was a how, miracle. Remember how I had that long box with the you had to push the little you guys yeah. can't see what I'm doing with my hands here, but uh, it was magical, wasn't it? You know, it was, it was was magical. And, uh, it's so, but one thing I always wanted to tell you, and I, and I told you this the other day, but like, one thing I've always been so grateful to you for was that instead of get out of my room, you brat, you were eager to share his magic with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's, that speaks to you. I mean, I mean, it's, it's about Prince. I don't like you wouldn't have done that if it hadn't have been for Prince. But I think that it was – it speaks to your character, but it also it speaks to how inspired you were. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, to share it. And, you, and I remember that you had – you remember this uh, – I forget which record company put it out. But there was – they had Dirty Mind and Controversy on, yeah. one so on one cassette. One side was Dirty Mind the and the other was side was Controversy. Do you remember this?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yes. Talk about that a little bit. Oh,
1: my goodness. That was – probably the first thing of prints that I actually had and I wore that tape out. I would listen to it. I knew every song, to every, every word, to every song would listen to it over and over again. And it was just the craziest thing, you know, like, some of the songs were just so different, things that you would never, ever hear. Um, like Annie Christian, you don't hear songs like that. You don't. He's going to go live in a taxi cab. You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so it was just so different and so out there. But at the same time, he's pulling it off because, you know, it's still good. Yeah. It's so, you know, yeah. some people try to be out there and it's just out there. This was out there, but good. It, the didn't, it didn't time. feel like
0: novelty to you, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, it wasn't just weird thing. Hey, listen to this weird stuff. Right. It's like, listen to this great music. And at the same time, it's very different. Mm-hmm. And so.
0: But it almost it should have been because, I mean, if you think about that time, uh, you know, this is right before 1999. I mean, remember, you remember the video? He's like in a trench coat and his underwear and a bandana. But it, instead of being like, what the, you know, is this? Or even like in a Rick James kind of sense, mm-hmm. who he toured with that year, it was, it just was kind of like, it just—it it all yeah, came you, together. you just
1: accepted it, and and you—it
0: and never not should seen. Did you it.
1: have? You know, it's like <laughs> right. you're looking back now, and you're like, you know, that was really odd, but at the same time, it was so different from anything else
0: at the time. But it also, but it's help, but done well and held up. It doesn't right. have that. You know, we kind of tend to do that, like we were so dumb in the '80s, kind yeah, of Yeah, like, no, not at all. It's just kind of like I, I hear, I hear the song uh, "Controversy," and it's mm-hmm. it's like the heaviest song ever. Right. You know, it's just so like you know that that keyboard, that mm-hmm. you know, right and. Uh,
1: and there were some political type things on there. Like so, Ronnie well, talked, like, to, Rani Rani talked to Russia was one of my like favorite
0: Ronald Reagan, right?
1: I was, you know, was fourteen. I wasn't very political or anything, you know, or maybe I was even younger for that one. But um, I wasn't really political, right, you sure. know. So it kind of opened your mind to that as well. To oh, well, what's he talking about? What's going on right now? And it kind of opened your mind up to go and
0: yeah. investigate
1: those things and and see what what's he talking about.
0: And 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 you know, it makes me want to think. In but. Makes you want to dance. It makes you want to laugh. Right, at the same time,
1: all of those and things.
0: kind of like awakening some like sexual awakening, mm-hmm. like you know, and and you know, but perverse, profane, but always entertaining. Never, you know, just never novelty. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I wanted to introduce the idea to you, and also the people that are listening, is this: was that um, how we were talking? We okay, were talking about the Dirty Mind controversy record uh, one of the songs on there is actually the song that you called sexuality. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've been thinking about over and over in my head, and it's, uh, it's so freaking sad is that one of my favorite lyrics from that is where he says, I goes, I'm okay. As long as you're here with me, you know that, you know, yes. your you know, sexuality uh-huh. he goes, you know, and he says, I'm okay. As long as you're here with me. And so that's all I've been able to think about. And so it's just like, I don't, I don't want to not be able to listen to sexuality. I, I I've, I listen to it all the time. It, I love it. So that's been very very sad for me. I, but I wanted to introduce this to you. Was it um, uh, it is a song where well, a lot of people probably don't know this, but where the first mention of purple, where the purple comes in. Okay, mm-hmm. people have definitions of what purple rain is and everything else. And I'm gonna paint you what I feel is the perfect marriage between 1999 and Purple Rain. And what it is is this: is that for 1999 it has that futuristic punk rock, but kind of cold sounding 808 uh, drum pattern thing. You know, think, think about that. Think about 1999. all the songs are eight and 10 minutes long yeah. and all the songs got that very kind of what, you know, very cold feeling. It's got that, uh, whereas Purple Rain was far more about live instrumentation and, and, inter- in you know, uh, introducing more of the, 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 the band stuff with it. Uh, and, but there's a song that didn't make it onto 1999. It's not on any releases or anything else. It's just it's something I've been able to to get, get my hands on, and it's just a song called Purple Music. Okay, and the reason why I want to play it because it sounds like it should be on 1999. Okay, but it's the idea of this of this purple, kind of like a purple heart, like when somebody gets injured and everything else, and, uh, about being inspired. But I also want to mention it, this too was that it's unthinkable to me. That, you know, not only is Prince gone, but it would almost be easy for a non-fan or somebody that never really dialed into it to be dismissive. Because the last person that would ever potentially die of a drug overdose, because he's not a druggie that has preached everything else, is him. And the very first line, and you'll hear it whenever I play it, the very first line of the song says, uh, Don't need no reefer. Don't need cocaine. I just listen to purple music and it goes straight to my brain and I'm high. Okay, that that was his message. So I'm gonna play you uh, a very rare rare outtake from the 1999 sessions uh, that bridges 1999 to Purple Rain. This is the song Purple Music. So- we so i want to take a quick break real fast to uh talk about our great sponsors that probably sponsor this podcast so that we can keep the lights on and keep bringing you shows just like this uh the first one i want to talk about is everybody needs their house cleaned everybody you know it, sometimes you have to you know life is busy and you need somebody to come in uh check this out This a place called in the nick of grime how cool is that i mean just based upon the name alone right Uh, In the Nick of Grime is uh, available in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in the surrounding areas, you need help, uh, you know, have somebody come over and clean your house for an affordable rate, somebody you can trust that's uh, licensed and bonded, uh, check out In the Nick of Grime. Uh, How you want to do that is that you want to contact Ashley Stone at 214-893-4491. Again, that number is 214-893-4491. Uh, and just in the nick of grime is, uh, the business that you want. It's the place that's going to to clean your house. It's going to be affordable, a place that you can trust. Um, I know I have in the past, I've had people clean my house and it's always been kind of hit or miss. Uh, but finally that problem can be solved once and for all. So for all your cleaning needs, go to in the nick of grime and, and ask for Ashley. Uh, Also, you guys also know how I'm deeply entrenched into the world of professional wrestling. Any listener of this show knows that. Uh, And I wanted to tell you about a great, big, awesome event also happening in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. is IHWE's uh, next big event. If you are a wrestling fan, and you may have been in Dallas for WrestleMania week uh, a few weeks back, and they kind of started everything off that that Thursday with a great, great card, and things are just going upward and onward for the for that organization. May 29th, uh, out in Crowley at the at the Crowley Civic Center, uh, IHWE is going to have their Atomic Drop event. Um, tickets start at ten dollars, I believe. Um, ringside seats are fifteen, I believe. Kids five and under are free. It's a great family event that the whole family can enjoy. It's affordable. It's fun. Some people might think of wrestling as maybe being for adults only based upon, you know, certain products that have been out in the past. But this is a like how it used to be. It's a it's a, it's for all ages. And speaking of wrestling, of course, as you've been hearing me talking about for the better part of a year now is the Glow Cruise. All you fans or of Afterglow. Uh I mean, fans that were fans of GLOW, uh, we're having the Afterglow fan cruise. It's going to be May 22nd, departing out of Los Angeles, going to Catalina Island. And uh, we're going to be out there for about four days. All your original favorite GLOW girls, uh, Matilda the Hun is going to do her first tell-all. You got Roxy Astor. Uh, Hollywood's going to do a casino night. You can get surf lessons from Sunny the California Girl. Uh, Grimlina is going to do, I believe, a... We call it a scavenger hunt. That's right. Uh, So much fun stuff. I'm going to be doing this show every single day with two different glow girls live on board. And then at the end, me and the wrestler that was by the name of MTV, we're going to have an 80s disco for the ages. So come join us. Um, Rooms are filling up very, very quickly, but they are affordable. Uh, Go to afterglowatsea.com. And uh, they'll get you all set up there. This is part of Cruise Planner's uh, division of Go Travel, who also can take care of all your other cruise needs in the future. So join us May 22nd for the Afterglow Fan Cruise and book your room today at afterglowfancruise.com. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, women in wrestling and, and just the wrestling community, uh, at large, uh, also lost somebody this week. It just seems like every other day or every week, uh, something in, uh, you know, is, is happening that we these legends are just, we're losing them. Um, the night before, uh, Prince, uh, was announced that Prince had passed away, whatever. Uh, Joni Lauer, who wrestled as China, uh, you guys all remember her. She was a pioneer in the industry and uh, there was really nobody like her before or re- really, really since. If you uh, remember the Attitude Era of the late 90s, uh, she would come out with Triple H and was part of the Generation X. And uh, just a, she had this crazy physique and this very unique look. And and she went on to, to knock down a lot of doors. She was the only female to uh, to have ever enter the Royal Rumble uh, to uh, hold the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, you know, typically they only have the, the female performers hold the female titles. But she was kicking everybody's ass, you know, men, women, announcers, fans, (laughs) the whole bit. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, of course, uh, that led to kind of a bit of a fallout, um, for her personally. And she kind of, kind of spiraled there for a while and, uh, was hoping that she was going to come out of it. Uh, but it looks like that's not the case. And so, um, rest in peace to, uh, to Joni Lauer, who has again, wrestled as China, uh, a great, great loss to the wrestling community. And, um, And just to, you know, women pioneers everywhere. So uh, rest in peace to China. We're sorry to hear hear about that. So what do you think about that?
1: That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. That definitely should have made the album.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Now, what about the lyrics, like I mentioned?
1: I think it's perfect because that was his whole thing. You know, he's vegan. He's very healthy. He's very anti-drug. Always has been. And so, you know, there's all these rumors that maybe that's how he died. But that would be so just wrong because you know, right, that's right. anti what he is. And right. for him to have been in so much pain at the end, for that to have happened possibly yeah. makes it even that much sadder to me. Well, that's,
0: what, that's what I mean too. Is it like, again, like, you know, this, this spirit, the rays come off of this man, you know what I'm saying? And he, mm-hmm. to be a statistic in the not taking drugs properly, he, and I don't know if it has something to do with his religion, like we said about because you know, he's been jumping up and down all over these stages all over the years and had, you know, his, all the
1: hip problems. Yeah. Right.
0: And because of his belief system, I don't know where he was at in terms of you've heard about, you know, certain Christian scientists that won't mm-hmm. heal themselves because of their certain belief systems. whatever. Right. And, and, you know, and just to think all I can think about is just after all of that. And what we were talking about earlier is just him facing it alone. Mm-hmm in an elevator yeah
1: that's just horrible
0: i can't even deal always with surrounded
1: it. by so many people and then at that moment to be alone
0: but the fact that it just seems to be all over okay and that's what I, I wanted to mention before before i continue was that we were uh you know we were talking about you know that apartment that we lived in whenever you were 14 and i, I was eight and and coming into your room and everything else and uh and so i uh was that, you know, I, I still feel still so close to it. Okay. And that's, that's kind of the thing I wanted to express was again, that, that apartment that we lived in where all that was happening and that magical summer of 82. And, and, you know, you having that, that tape and those albums and all that is just, a, I know I'm not, I don't live in the past. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm a, I'm a very nostalgic person as you know, but I still feel very close to it. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. I still feel like I can touch it. And in an instant, at least for now, it seemed like all that is re- really finally over. That's that's what it, that's the emotion for me.
1: Well, for me, it's more like all that is still there, and I can still enjoy all of that. There just won't be anything new, and I find yeah. that sad. Yeah. But with the vault, there may be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, for sure.
1: But as far as going to concerts and seeing him again and, and all of that, that's over.
0: Well, yeah, yeah once I said, yeah, when Prince performed his final concert, that's not something I, I ever I've ever wanted to read or was ever prepared to read or to hear. Right. Or or the anything. last
1: time you saw him on a show, you didn't know that was the last time you'd ever seen or
0: his yeah, or, or his, his final album. Prince doesn't have a final album. Right. And that's where the vault comes in, because he wasn't thinking about years or decades. He was thinking of like centuries. There's something like close to like another like five to seven hundred songs. If there's 10 songs on an album, I mean, that's he'll have a new, new record out for the next hundred years. Um, you know, we we're talking about lyrics and then we we're talking about the anti-drug thing um, was that, uh, you know, I mentioned about sexuality. Probably my favorite lyric of all of his lyrics. I have so many, but if I had to pick one, there's off the album, off, obviously 1999, the song Dance, Music, Sex, Romance or DMSR. Explain something that spoke so much to me the first time that I heard it that has become a mantra for me for, for most of my entire life. And you know the line where he says, uh, he goes, I don't care to win awards. He mm-hmm. goes, all I want to do is dance and music, sex, romance, and try my best to never get bored. Yeah. Now, think about what that means for somebody like him, Okay and i'm not saying that i'm kindred spirit or or like him but for somebody like him okay all i want to do is dance and music sex romance and try my best to never get bored that means that's his message is it a genius like that has to constantly create and constantly be inspired or or be inspiring do you understand mm-hmm. that yeah. that
1: they were playing an interview clips, you know, with all this going on. And one of them said that where um, he was saying, I never wanted to get famous. I didn't want to make a lot of money and all the girls and all that sort of thing. He said, but I just had to make music. I had to. Right. It, was, it was in me, I have to make it. And those things just came with it. But those weren't the goal.
0: Right, right. And I know it sounds poetic and it sounds perfect and happy ending, but he was making music the day that he died. He was in his house and he said he he went down, you know, when he, when he gets inspired, he gets up, he goes, over to the elevator, he goes down, He, you know, and then he was done and or maybe he made, maybe he never made it down there. I mean, I I like I to think I, I just I can't I can't get I can't get that image out of my, my, my mind. Uh, but we're, you know, we're talking about the drugs thing was that, you know, and all the people that we've lost is that how also just weird and just awful and creepy and bizarre that, you know, van- we also lost vanity earlier.
1: Right. Just two, a few months ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. Two,
0: two episodes ago, uh, our listeners will remember that we did a, a tribute to her and uh, talked about her a little bit. Again, and, you know, and, and even he did when I think he was in Australia doing his current tour when he had heard and he had mentioned something about her and and it was real, it was real, real special and all that. And I just, it was just, it's hard to, to imagine when I see that picture of them together, you remember that picture, you mm-hmm. know, where she's standing behind him and they're both gone, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that, uh, during, during that period, um, I wanted to mention. I think a lot of people, people like, and maybe you, you don't know this either, is that, of course, vanity was, you know, she definitely died of a drug overdose. You, know what I'm right. saying, you don't want to look at both of them and go, now if she didn't have a drug overdose. She died of she. she had done drugs for so long and so much
1: mm-hmm. that
0: it just shortened her lifespan. Okay. Right. But when you look at both of them, and so I, I kind of want to get off that.
1: But to me, it's two different, completely different. totally,
0: things. totally. Yeah. I'm just talking about when you look at it and this business, and I, right. I, don't, I don't like that narrative. I'm trying to fight that narrative, yeah. you know, but uh, around that time, uh, what a lot of Prince fans and, and you like this have, have come to have to kind of deal with what they call, uh, girlfriend records. Okay. Now, one thing is because a lot of people don't realize that for somebody so powerful and so amazing, he actually at times of his life has been incredibly insecure. And so what he had to offer a girl was, I'll write you some music and whatever, or not in a, you know, stick with me, kid. I'll make you famous because he's not a collaborator. <laughs> he is not somebody that does well with collaboration. It's his show. And and so uh, there's been, a, and also he also used it as a can do it to release more music. Because you know, the record label wants you to put out one record every two years and then get to milk it for four singles, and, and he always said there were you know albums that I've all recorded two years ago that you haven't even heard yet. A lot of people, if we were looking at the actual discography, would then go to Purple Rain and then they would go from Purple Rain to Around the World in a Day. But there are two records between that that a lot of people don't know. The first one is an album called uh, that came out the same year as Purple Rain called The Family. And it was just his extended stuff. The love of his life, he claims, is a woman named Susanna Melvoin, who was Wendy Melvoin's twin sister. Mm. And so a lot of those songs like Take Me With You and all that stuff are about her. A lot of people don't know this, but Take Me With You originally wasn't going to be on the album. It was going to be on the Apollonia or the Vanity or Apollonia record. And Computer Blue probably one of my favorite songs out of Purple Rain is actually, there's actually a 14 minute version. I'm not going to play it for you today. I might play it for another time, but there is a, a long ending to that. And he liked Take Me With You so much that he shortened Computer Blue and okay. took back Take Me With You. Uh, but there's an album uh, again called The Family and it's, it's a, uh, it's been long out of print um, and I've played stuff of that before. So, but what, what I'm getting into now is that there's a girl named Jill Jones that has, been a part of that. If you remember Jill Jones played the, the role of the waitress in purple rain, you know, the girl with the blonde hair Yes, yes. and she's like, not the greatest actress in the world. Sorry, Jill. But where she says, uh, she goes, do you have any experience? Right. And she goes, follow me then. And you know, well, she's almost unrecognizable and we'll get to graffiti bridge in a second, but in the sequel, she's that, you know, that girl that, and he goes, Hey, Jill, where are you going? When are you going to call me? And she she pulls her underwear off and and leaves it in the middle of the street and walks away. That's the same girl.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know
0: that. Well, anyway, so he recorded a song during that period that bridges that whatever for an album for her. Now, the album didn't come out until I think 86 or 87, okay? Uh, And a lot of people don't know this, but for every song out there, like, you know, Nothing Compares to You and um, was written around this time as well. Uh, you know, Manic Monday for, for the Bengals. He dated Susanna Hobbs for a while. But there's always a version that he records of himself doing it, okay? And so what I want to play for you now, okay, is that there's a song from the Jill Jones record, Long Out of Print, uh, and I'm not going to play you her version. Um, again, sorry, Jill, but I but the, the original uh, version he did is a song called All Day and All Night. It's a great dance track, okay? And I, and, I, and I do this because I want you to, people to get a, a frame of picture of where his mind was at around this time, because it was just coming out of him. You know, the success of Purple Rain, then the family and everything else. And it will it's important because we're going to juxtapose that with around the world in the day whenever we come back. So this is, again, from the long out of this is actually not even on the album. This is the this is Prince's version of all day and all night from the Jill Jones record. that didn't come out till 1987.
2: Oh, what a beauty. darling this is my final leap for love take me now or witness the slow and horrible death of your purple fox my time is running out i can wait no longer i watch as you make love to others disgusting as it seems it intoxicates me I might say that I'm abused to the point where my blood increases My heartbeat accelerates and my mouth waters uncontrollably For I know that no man will ever love you like your purple fox No man will ever kiss you, lifetime or the next The way you and I kiss all night Take me now as I am For I'm becoming confused what I stand for and desire Tell me about who I am, who I am What I am, what am I?
0: you can see what a very dancey type kind of, you know, I mean, he was writing it for her, but it's, it's very much him. Uh, now here's where I, I really, really want to get into this is that juxtapose that the way that sound, where his mindset was. Okay. He had, he was the biggest star in the world, even during, you know, uh, you know, you know, Michael Jackson had put out Thriller a few years ago in 82 and I've always thought that one of the coolest things he ever did was the follow-up to Purple Rain instead of him trying to make Purple Rain part two Mm -hmm. or something higher. that record always sucks. You know, when the band puts out the big record, the next one always sucks. And he returns with an album that is, would you say is your favorite record?
1: It's my absolute favorite. Okay.
0: Around the world in the day is what we're talking about. Released Mm -hmm. in 85. I want to hear your thoughts about that.
1: I don't, not to diminish any of the other ones, but this one is my favorite. Um, it's just every single song is special. Every single song is great. There, You can listen to the entire album over and over and over again, which I did. I had the tape, the cassette tape. Yeah, I remember that, and yeah. Back then, you know, it had the paper on the front. <laughs> yeah. And all the words were gone. Everything on the front, you would look at the tape and just think, what is this tape? Because right. everything that would you know, say what it was was gone right, because sure. I played it so so often. <laughs> and the you know, tapes would come undone and you'd have to rewind them back up. It was just that worn out. And it came so thin that it even broke apart and I had to buy another one <laughs> at one point. Um but every song, I mean it's around the world in the day, Paisley Park, Condition of the Heart, Raspberry Berets on there, which most people do know, um, tambourine, America, Pop life The Ladder. The ladder's my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm and Temptation, all of those are just, every single song is just But, greatness.
0: but why though? What, what, what about it speaks to you?
1: You know, I really don't know if I can put my finger on it. I yeah. really don't. Maybe it was just the, the time period that I was going through. It was something that I could relate to at the time that, you know, just really, really, um, just, I don't know. I, I could just really relate to it. I spent well, so much time listening to it. Well,
0: tell me tell me a memory that you have associated with that. That's that's, that's Like, when, when you think about that record, like if you were looking at the album cover, and you had like a knee jerk.
1: Most memory. of it I remember is driving. I was actually driving at that time okay. and I had a cassette tape and I remembered that everything seemed like it was mine at that point. Yeah. my first yeah. things that were mine. Yeah. And so maybe that's why it was so sure. special because sure. I remember driving alone Playing this cassette tape over and over, and of course, singing at the top of my lungs, which I can't sing, so it's a sad thing. But <laughs> singing at the top of my lungs in my car with my cassette tape, doing right. my thing, and I think maybe that's why it was. But he also so would, inspire, to me. He would
0: inspire you to sing,
1: you oh, know, yeah. even when
0: you couldn't inspire you to do anything. You couldn't help it.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I I can't tell you how many times you know which I like to sing anyway, and mm-hmm. I and I always blame him for that because i uh mm-hmm. i still sing every day yeah. and i'm not uh, i'm not the greatest singer in the world i'm a lot better than what people give me credit for however but, uh, <laughs> okay, so but but i wanted i wanted i wanted you to understand that like i equate you with that album as much as i equate that magical time that we you know that magical summer of 82 and everything else is that when i hear those songs i think about you no, know, i said something something to her the other day uh uh I, you guys can't see them, I'm, I'm, I'm pointing to a friend of ours, but I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I uh, was that whenever I describe experiences like, like, hey, how was the movie? Or, hey, how was Disneyland? Whatever. I always say without even realizing it, I always go, well, you know, it was cool, but, you know, it just didn't have that pop. And I didn't realize it until the other day. I'm quoting poppies. You
1: are. You definitely are. Yeah. Do You know
0: what I mean? It's like it's in me. It's 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 like scripture almost. It's like I I go. It, it has. It ask any woman I've ever spent time with, who I've ever loved or whatever, and they will tell you that you know a love letter or, or anything I've even written, even this piece of paper in front of me, it is his art has breathed, it breathes somewhere in it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. some relationships he may have even been fully responsible for, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm kind of driven by, by that magic. You know, you understand? Mm-hmm. And I said, any woman I've ever dated or loved or spent time with, you know, could, could tell you, or you could, you could see his inspiration coming from me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, now there's, something else like i said when i think about that album um, you know everybody of course knows raspberry beret and i think about i think about that summer as well you mm-hmm. know um, i don't i don't i don't know there's there was there's something about the feeling of that there's a certain vibe to it there's a certain taste to it a certain color to it the, it its own thing and that was all of his records. Yeah. It really has that whole thing. There was something I, I did want to play uh, for our listeners, Was that, and, and I want to play it for you as well. I don't know if you've ever actually heard of this, but there was a song that should have been on Around the World in a Day. And, and I, it's not She's Always in My Hair, it's not Hello or any of the B-sides. He wrote a, an entire album or a few songs that were supposed to be an album for Marvin Gaye's daughter, okay, yeah. Nona. And uh, anyway, and I. You're not gonna believe this, okay? But uh, you know, were talking about 1999 a while ago. If, right. uh, in terms of like actual album tracks, the the very last song in 1999, the song "Automatic" might be my favorite song, okay?
1: Yeah, I was actually listening to that earlier.
0: There's something about that last little refrain where he goes, dun nah, dun nah, 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 nah. mm-hmm. Like there's something about that, right? But if I had to pick one song, if somebody, you know, I get it all the time, okay? hey, uh, you know, well, you love Prince? What's your favorite song? And I always don't want to go, oh, my favorite song is this song that, that was supposed to be on Around the World in a Day, but it, and, <laughs> it didn't quite and make- it. Didn't, you know, I, didn't wanna, I don't want to go into all of that. So I always say automatic because it would be my second favorite song. But if I had to really point we or not to one song, there's a song called Baby Go-Go that, again, it was written for for Nona Gay, Marvin Gaye's daughter, that, that and when you hear it, you'll definitely can go, okay, this is very Around the World in a Day. And since you love that album and it's my favorite song, so I call have to play you out to the basket. Okay. And so, I did a Twitter poll and everything else. Like, what is my favorite Prince song? Um, that was it right there. Baby Go Go. Um, again, uh, should have been on the Round the World in the Day album. And uh, it's just such an amazing thing. Now, here, now that was your favorite era of Prince, okay? Uh, in spite of all the popularity of Purple Rain and everything else that we did, next enters my favorite okay is one part nostalgia one part like like the the kid in me remembers of course purple rain the kid in me remembers the days of mtv and remember the dial mtv the countdown show yes and uh, and uh running home and and you know kiss the song kiss was like every third video but kind of like with david Bully in a sense uh, you know how he would change his look and style and color and shape. There's something about the aesthetic, the motif of the Under the Cherry Moon parade thing. There's something about that that speaks to me the most. As much as I love Purple Rain, the, the guy with the frilly shirt on the motorcycle thing is seemed like more like a guy in a movie, not the album, but just that right. character. Uh, it seemed like more of a character. Whereas the guy in the Kiss video is that in, you know, in, in uh, you know, we could talk all day long about the movie under the cherry moon. And, and I, I feel like that we'll do a, like a sequel to this where we'll just do the movies after we have <laughs>
1: right, That's a good
0: idea. Because, and it was just funny too, because, you know, you know, we're talking about wanting to do like a sleepover and watching all those movies. I've been wanting to do that anyway. And I just, I'm just, I'm scared because about the narrative, you know, that it's going to take on. Cause I've gr- always looked to it to draw so much strength from it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so, uh, i don't mean to 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 be to skip over this but again but the under the cherry moon parade now besides automatic again if i had to pick uh one song that's my favorite song that are on the actual albums you can buy and and it seems so crazy now uh, but there's a song on the album called life can be so nice and and that's what i mean it's kind of like Whenever I'm down and depressed and sad, whatever, I always and I think about the visual of him in the movie, sitting in the in the car of the convertible, and he's listening and jamming out to his own song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I always think, you know what, life can be so nice, and it's just it just it's it's so hurtful to me to think that that person isn't alive anymore. But I um. Uh, you know, not to skip over that, but here, here's something that I that is a very underdocumented thing, uh, thing, is that around that time, what actually would be his most prolific in terms of stuff that he put out, okay, or was wanting to put out or whatever, uh, yes, around 1999, Purple Rain, you know, he did, again, the Family Album, and he did the Jill Jones record, and he did a couple other, he did, he did all those Time albums, I mean, we could do a whole episode yeah. on the time, okay? Yeah, definitely. You can't separate it, not because he wrote it, but just for us, even if we didn't know that Prince wrote it, ice cream castles, and what time is it, are just as much a part of that equation. Yes, they are. I mean, it just completely encumbered our entire life. But okay, so I don't mean to, I don't mean to skip over Under the Cherry Moon, because again, I, I will get back to that in another episode. But uh, okay, so before we get to Sign of the Times, the vision for Sign of the Times originally was going to be a four record set called oh crystal goodness. ball. Okay. And it was going to be four records and this was going to be, you know, how like the little loose sub narrative in purple rain about how like the, he won't, he won't play songs that the band wrote kind of thing. Well, this was supposed to be the first ever, um, like actual full band effort. Okay. Okay. And it was going to be a, a full record set called Crystal Ball, okay? And, and each record was going to have its own thing. Like, the one was going to be called The Dream Factory. Uh, one was going to be called Crystal Ball. The third one was going to be this little suite uh, of songs by this character he created called Camille, okay? If you've ever heard Delica and some of these other songs where mm. he actually speeds his voice up, okay? And, uh, and then some of the songs that made up. Uh, sign of the times if you were to ask him what the best song he ever wrote he would tell you it's a song if i was your girlfriend from from sign of the times well of course you know compromise being what it was record company wouldn't wasn't going to put out a four record set and the crazy thing was was that they said they would do two records instead of four okay but instead of just chopping the album down to two albums he just wrote another album that's got that's two albums worth of music so the project uh came out many years later in a really compromised uh you know whatever release of called crystal ball but the actual album was going to be a two record set called the dream factory and that era is also why it's so my favorite okay because when you hear it it sounds in a way like an extension of under the cherry moon and parade Mm -hmm. but taken to even greater heights you can feel uh wendy and lisa's uh, influence and and you can feel it being a band effort you're 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 looking at a band the revolution were probably the greatest band in the world you know and uh with all the great players and so i could play you the entire dream factory album right now and and have trouble picking one. But the, uh, the song I wanted to play today was a song called, uh, called a wonderful day. Uh, cause that's what I want to think about. Uh, and when I think about him and, and, and what he's, how much he's meant to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it's the best representation of the, the group project. And that's, that's the point I'm trying to drive home here. So this is from, again, the unreleased dream factory, double LP. This is a song called wonderful day. You get the feel of the, the the group feel to this.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I mean, what what is, uh, you you see what could have been if they had, and then he, and what does he do? He breaks up the band.
1: Right. They can't. He doesn't stay with the one band for very long.
0: Right. Um, okay. Now, uh, the Camille Suite um, is again where he would speed up his voice to make it sound female. You know, he was he was very experimenting with a lot of androgyny and a lot of that different mm-hmm. stuff, and so. Uh, there's a song off of from that portion, uh, and it's a song called "Rebirth of the Flesh." Now, this is a, a widely circulated song. This isn't. This is probably the most easily accept, accessible, but no less unbelievably awesome uh, of the unreleased stuff. But I, I wanted to give people a taste that haven't heard it uh, of what his idea. You probably have heard "Shockadelica" or "Fill You Up" and maybe a few others, but. Uh, To me, this this is the one here, and this is a song called Rebirth of the Flesh, and this would have been part of the Camille suite as part of the original vision for The Dream Factory. Nikki. Okay, so funky yeah
1: very. that was <laughs> greatness yeah
0: okay I mean I mean you, you see what, what I mean I mean you see the, the power do you see mm-hmm. how firing on all cylinders that yeah. was a, that was a track that didn't make it onto the album.
1: That's the thing. It's like, he just makes so much good music.
0: Yeah. He, he doesn't Where have do you space put it? for it all. Yeah. yeah. Hence, like I said, the girlfriend record or even the, the time mm-hmm.
1: and, yeah, uh, you
0: know, having that kind of stuff there. Okay. So one more from, from that era. And, and this was also getting back to our narrative about, not the whole like anti-drug thing. And this is, this is an important thing I wanted to mention here. Was it? okay? Is that, okay. So something that bridges the Side of the times record after that, when he was going to put out the love sexy album. Okay. He, but apparently he went to a party or something. I know how the story goes. I don't want to tell it wrong, but always been kind of anti-drug. I mean, I'm sure he, he probably tried cocaine once or twice. It was the '80s; they gave you cocaine with free car washes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, he took ecstasy, he took X or something, and apparently, and he went. And it, since he's like you know the the inspirational kind of guy, apparently the drug had the opposite effect, and yeah. he went. And he recorded this album that was supposed to be the opposite of uh, of the uh, of the Beatles' White Album, called the Black Album, and it is the brownest, nastiest, craziest. Like, who would put this? The fact that it even yeah. exists, okay? Yeah. And how you mentioned how you were talking earlier about the the guy with the crazy voice he did yes. later on, on with Rainbow Children. Well, so think about what he did with Camille. Did higher. Well, instead of going high, he went real low. Now, this is around the same time. This is this predates Rainbow Children by 15, almost 14 years. And he records it. And we're talking money spent. The album cover, like you said, his name is on it. It's just black. It's just black. The black album, okay? And they printed up all these copies, okay, to be shipped. And he suddenly had this. He got so, you know, I guess he came to and had a moment of clarity and was like, Oh, my God, you can't put that out. <laughs> and he went down to I – mean, can you imagine a record company putting up this record in 1987, okay, 88, all right? And he actually went down – legend has it – he went down to the recording plant and was like destroying copies. But he couldn't destroy all half a million, so a lot got out. So the Black Album was the, one of the most widely circulated bootlegs that it was until he released it as part of whenever he was trying to get out of his contract – and he was writing "slave" on his face and right. all that. And he was like, "Well, here you can release yeah,
1: take it." that one. Yeah. yeah,
0: right. And it was only out for th- for like thirty days, and I and I had it. Um, I had the CD version that they put out that the Warner Brothers 1996 version. Mm-hmm. And talk about messing with your voice. There is a song. There's a skit that he did on it, and it's for those out there that know Prince. You'll know this is a song called Bob George. And it's a uh, it's a character that he plays of this crazy, like kind of pimp guy. And his one of his top girls or his favorite girl is dating or seeing behind his back Prince's manager that he has dubbed Bob George. OK. And what you're about to hear is nothing short of completely and totally insane. OK. And when we come back, I'm going to I'll tell I'll, I want to want to tell a, uh, a story about that. So So this is. From, again, the long out of print, only available for 30 days, 20 years ago, from the Black Album, uh, this is Bob George.
3: You. Why can't we just dance? Why can't we just dance? No, fuck that, fuck that. I don't talk about you. I don't talk about you. you arm and shaved head ass. Who the fuck do you think this is? I'll kick your ass twice. Be yeah.
4: why he destroyed it (laughs) because (laughs) it doesn't sound like him at all and you know the beat and all of that does but what he's saying doesn't sound like a message that prince would say you know the constant you know talking about he has a gun and he's going to kill somebody and you know this is (laughs) not prince (laughs) it's just not what do
5: you what do you think his motivation was for that uh do you think i mean you think it was like I I mentioned earlier about, you know, his one time taking ecstasy and he was in a total altered state. Do you think that it was just a a funny skit and he was just having some fun and he took it a little too far? What do you what do you think his motivation was?
4: I kinda think it was supposed to be funny and he took it too far. You know, I think we all have a little bit of a dark side and, and he was letting it <laughs> yeah. come out and it just went a little too far.
5: And then and then he realized it like like the day before it got uh <laughs> you know, relief. Yeah, he's like
4: people are gonna hear this.
5: <laughs> oh, right, yeah. exactly. I I'll tell our listeners out there that if the uh if the uh, recording sounds a little different, we had to switch the phone, uh just for a little bit whatever, uh, you know, um uh, much like how Prince is cataloged, period, is a bit of a handshake. Like uh, a secret handshake. I mean of course he's not some underground artist. He's one of the most famous people in the world and that's you know, the whole world is kinda weeping right now, but because of that but there are certain aspects of his career where if you know about it it is kind of a kind of a thing and so i was uh at a Death tones concert uh a few weeks ago and uh and we were I mean, we were just celebrating this just a few weeks ago anyway i've known those guys for a long time and and i was i went backstage and uh my friend sergio who um is our bass player he used to be in a, in a band called quicksand that we used to um pretty much worship and um he and I are sitting there and we're catching up and everything else and and if you remember uh the lyric in Bob George where he says he's talking he's referring to Bob George when he's talking to his girl and he says, Bob, that slicked back patty with all the gold in his mouth, right? Remember when he says <laughs> that, okay? Yes. Well, Sergio uh is awesome and he's got this great look and he's got this like slip back like blonde hair and and he you know he's a he's a he's you know, he has one of ethnicities so he's got that he's got that kind of relaxed blonde look and he's got a mouthful of gold. And so while he and I are sitting there trying to catch up, we're backstage uh, one of the guys in the band that I that I didn't know, uh, their guitar player Abe, uh, he was over there, kind of like you know playing DJ, and he's playing some great stuff. And I'm kind of you know noticing it. You know, I'm giving Sergio my attention, of course, and I was there with a friend as well, and we were talking to talking to him, and but the music was starting to take my attention away from what you know what we were doing because it was so good. And then the next thing is, is that he plays Bob George, and I can't believe it. I can't believe that someone has this, that knows this, that this is happening, and, and all that. And so I'm I'm probably a little too excited about it, and I kind of interrupt what we're talking about and, and asking Sergio and even uh, my friend that I brought, uh, hey, do you guys know this song? Do you know what this is and everything else? And, and I start singing along to every word, and then right when it gets to that line, it it just occurred to me that I point right at Sergio and go, and I and I mouth the words like, "That's lip back patty with all the gold." In his mouth, you know. <laughs> and right when I did that, because he was just kind of alternating between like you know talking and listening and talking also to my friend, it was like right then that's where, okay, we got to pay attention to this now. And so me and Abe, the the um, the guitar player, we really you know we I. I congratulated him on having such good taste and we kind of had a little you know Prince fanboy moment you know kind of bonding over our favorite tracks and I thought that was so cool and and uh in Sergio uh the day after it had happened um after after it was made public that Prince had passed he uh he had posted a a pic on Twitter of his arm around Serge I mean Sergio had his arm around Abe who was wearing uh, a Prince shirt and looking sad and like spanning next to, I guess, his DJ setup or whatever. It was the exact setup that was, you know, backstage at the show in Dallas. So you kind of get the impression that that that's kind of what this guy does after all the shows. You know, he plays DJ and he plays his favorite stuff, which is obviously Prince. And, And so I can only imagine what, you know, if they're on tour, what had happened that night. You know, so... Uh, you know, so a, a fun story with a sad ending, of course, but, uh, but that just, that, again, that just shows you the, uh, the connection that people have to Prince, uh, and you know, agenda other than wanting to express. And then what we learned was that's going to take probably two parts. So we're going to bring you part two, uh, the following week. And I thought this would be a good, a good stopping point here, uh, would be to end, uh, with the 80s. And I wanted to transition with something, and this is what uh, I wanted to talk about with you for a second, was that after, of course, the Bob George thing, uh, the Black album we just discussed, uh, he remember, he went even a little bit more extreme. Remember, his very next album was an album called Love Sexy. Remember, it was a big deal that he was finally butt naked on, on the <laughs> album cover. You, you remember this, don't you? Yes. And uh, and I and that's what I wanted to mention about that was that the that album only had like one single, um, and it had and also when you bought this remember you bought the CD version, all the songs were one track. Do you remember that? Yes. Like if you had the album, but it, w- it was all one track. And so the single from it was a song called Alphabet String. If you remember in the video, there's a uh, some text that scrolls down the side of it that says. Don't buy the black album. I'm sorry.
4: <laughs> so,
5: so, so, so you and he may be in agreement, but it, but it is such a neat yeah, little, I think so. It is such a neat little peek into into uh, what he, uh, you know, where he was at and what he was thinking, and just I like the freedom of it. I like the idea of that he had that freedom. You know, the, the fact that that even exists, even at all, is for, I think testament to to what we love about him so much, regardless of the outcome. You know, I think so too. Okay, so then after that, of course, um, was the Batman thing. He ended the the eighties with, uh, of course, you know, that Tim Burton uh, was going to resurrect the the Batman franchise, and uh, and he had cast Jack Nicholson as the Joker and hired Prince to write the soundtrack. Um, I'll. I probably won't make anybody, any any new fans by saying this, but I was never the biggest fan of the the Bat Dance single. Did you do you remember this? Did you, did you like that? I
4: do remember it and no, I did not. That was not anything that I would like and I'll tell you I think the reason why is that it had to be so commercial uh, and that he's not usually, you know, right, that right. commercial. And yeah. usually his greatest hits aren't usually my favorites. They usually like the others, you know, and so right. I think this was meant for – to be very commercialized because it was for the movie, and that's why we didn't like it as much. It wasn't a true expression.
5: Well, you know what? And and that's that's neat too because I always – because I think the songs were – if they feel compromised, I think it's because it was the first time he ever had written to something. Uh, hmm. One of the songs I was thinking about adding, uh, whenever I was trying to put this together, and again for those that are listening, I, I don't want you to think that we're snobs and we don't like the hits and we just like the indie Oh no, I love art. the
4: hits yeah, yeah, yeah. too.
5: Uh, of course, yeah. right, right. But I, but I, you bring up a very good point. It was one of the songs that I was thinking about mentioning was that he yeah. actually was commissioned to do the soundtrack for another movie before that uh, called I'll Do Anything and and he wrote like you know songs for it, and everything else, and I have those, and they're not very good because, like what you just said i mean they're they're still print and they're still better than anybody else's you know uh, attempts, but in terms of because you can only can compare print songs to other print songs, agreed right mm-hmm. right and um and again and you bring up an interesting, interesting point because when I heard those songs, you you could tell this is the first time he's ever written to something. And Mm -hmm. when somebody whose entire mm, mission, his entire being, his entire, just everything that you know about this person is is kind of unchained and unbound. When they suddenly start to feel unchained and, and start feeling chained and bound, it's quite noticeable, you know? So, uh, having said that, that's a great segue into this this final part for for this episode was that so he writes all these songs right for for the Batman soundtrack and there is there is one actually I really do like on on it called Trust um, and I'm not going to include that one but but he had these other songs that like you said were not nearly as commercial in fact they were very much just print songs that could be put into a movie. And uh he came out with a very limited edition EP. I think it was only released like in I don't know, maybe Europe or maybe even Japan or something very limited. <clears throat> and you know, Prince has always been has never shied away from being very sexual and his expressions. And but for but he never actually has an actual song called Sex. <laughs> this <laughs> Prince having a song called he has a song called The Sex of It. It's like the Sex of It. And he mentions it, but, or if i called sexuality, but finally, just simply sex. And I love it because this is how he ended the, uh, into the 80s. And if you, when I play here in a second, you will know, like, the very first line of the song is, the 80s are over and the time has come for a new proclamation of love and fun. And it's, that's just so to me, very, very, very heavy. So I'm now going to play the song Sex, again, written during the Batman era, potentially written for the Batman movie. Only only he would have known that. Um, but this is also a very, very rare song that was so very, very crucial uh, that a lot of people haven't heard that really frames where he was at. And it's the perfect transition of commercially you know, the 80s being his biggest decade. So the fact that the last song that was released in the 80s by Prince is a song called "Sex," And here it is. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so uh, I will edit this next part because now what they're going to be hearing, of course, is the song. Okay? Uh-huh. So, okay. Okay. Uh-huh.
2: now.
4: perfect clothing for the 80s of all his music and everything that he made in that decade i think that was perfect
5: and and tell me what 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 you liked about it i mean we you know we've kind of focused a lot on the lyrics on this on this because it it really uh not that they were never not important to him later on or whatever but there are times when lyrics can be meaningless to him and you can tell that like we mentioned earlier and but there's even even when they're Silly and playful, they all seem to kind of have an impact, and I think that that you just just the song being called "Sex" is one thing, but like I said at the very beginning, the very first the very first lyric I think is uh, it's very powerful.
4: Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that was my favorite part of the song is, is him. He's basically closing out the '80s with that. Lyric.
5: Yeah, right. Exactly. He's this is this is him closing out and ready to start onward into the '90s. And uh, and so that's actually where we're going to pick up from next week. Is that um, you know again, like I said, you know a lot of people think that you know the the story ended for a lot, for a lot of people. Kind of began and ended in the '80s, and, and maybe ended in the early '90s or, or even in the '80s. And uh, so what we'll do next week, we're going to bring you starting.
0: Okay, so uh, so final thoughts, at least for now, uh, for this episode here about how you're feeling and what you're thinking about. What's, well, what's like happened? I said, I
1: think I'm going to be listening to all the tributes as much as I can. Okay. Because that seems to be helping people yeah, okay. get through it. Yeah. Um, and I hate for them to think that they're going to end at some point. So sure. I'll probably go ahead and buy every album that I ever owned
0: and
1: put it on my, <laughs> my iPad iPod, um, and have it there. And, you know. And
0: maybe this could be something like that for somebody else, you know, mm. you know, getting to hear some new music and right. and relating to it and everything else. And,
1: well, and I will say that. Um, this has exposed my kids to it a lot more yeah. than what they would have before because I'm watching it on TV constantly. Right, and are um, right. so they're listen, they're hearing a lot more of it. You know, they had heard some obviously just being my children, but they're seeing so much more of it and right. realizing what a great, great person and, and that he was. Sure. That they sure. really didn't connect all of that before.
0: And, and I, re- and I remember, uh, I remember uh, when Michael Jackson had died, I remember like the next day, it seemed like it was the MTV music awards mm-hmm. and Madonna, open this show with this kind of where she kind of kind of put the screws to people about, you know, you know, cause you know obviously he was mired in, in a different, different thing there. But what I, what I, what I left with that was when she said that, that the good news was that her sons are obsessed with Michael Jackson and they're young mm-hmm. and they're doing right. everything else. And, and that's, if this, if anything, this can put that can, that can humanize or, or make this to, 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 you know, to younger people and everything else. Um, what I wanted to say, uh, and, and I'll, you know, expound more about this at, probably at another time because it's, it's still hard for me to, to talk about it in, in a past tense, but I, uh, first of all, want to thank you uh, for doing this with me today. I want to thank you for, again, for sharing that magic with me, that that, that magical summer in 82, and, and thanks for, you know this ride that we've been on that he has been the soundtrack for, obviously I don't want that to end. Uh, Again, you know, it takes on a a different narrative, but, uh, but for, for you and I to, to have these moments and and have have had them and, and, you know, continue to have that kind of soundtrack, but for you and I, it's again, it's our bond. It's our, it's our handshake. It's our, it's our brother slash sisterhood, I guess you would say. Uh, And I can't think of anything else that, in our lives, you know, I mean, we love the Breakfast Club and that means a lot to us as well. And and but I can't think of and, mo- and I don't know if, if most people get to have that, you know, and so what what a what a what a you know, just what a how fortunate we were to, to, to be alive uh, while he was alive. Yeah. You know,
1: know, most people do have a soundtrack that they think of, of their lives, but ours is of the same person. Yeah. All the music's from that same person.
0: Yeah. And you don't always have that. Yeah. It's a shared thing. I mean, I have my own little thing, You have your own little thing, but, but it's almost like the Beatles in a sense is the one thing that we can all agree on is that uh, he's, you know, laughable that we try to compare, him to anybody else or uh and and how fortunate said, there's one in gulf and grill like the beatles you know that he's the best he was the greatest
5: um and just
0: so endlessly with
5: the 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 1990s and the graffiti bridge era and beyond and onward all the way up to the present date and then i'm looking forward to to being able for us to kind of get into all that and and play some more music and uh and tell you some more stories about us. And one thing that you and I are going to really going to have fun getting into is because it wasn't until 1996 when you and I actually first saw him. You know,
0: first saw him. You know, live. So you and I are going to have so much fun um, <clears throat> getting into all that. So all the all the great shows that we saw, and all the all our memories from that, and all the laughter. And uh, you know, when he did the 21 nights in um, in L.A., that was like my pilgrimage uh to that and I was sad you weren't able to join me for that but um uh, we're going to have a lot of time a lot of fun getting into all that and we can't wait to bring you um you know and share all of our memories and stories you know about us and and some more music uh, about our greatest inspiration uh Prince uh so that's going to do it for us uh this week um uh for now I just want to say <clears throat> uh on behalf of my co-host this week uh, my sister Nikki I can't thank you enough for joining me and um, I just want people to know that how much how sad we are I know all of you are sad as well um, <clears throat> my social media is just unindated with uh, you know eulogies and, and and well wishes and everything else but and uh, so I, I, I get it I, I know how you feel uh, we are two people that live this our entire lives and And me personally, he has just breathed life into literally everything that I've done. That's not hyperbole. That's not, um, an exaggeration. That's, it's literally anything I've ever written, done, said, have been inspired by. Um, he has, he breathes somewhere in that and always has. So for now, uh, we will see you next week. I hope you've enjoyed uh, hearing some new music and, uh, or hearing some songs you may not have heard before uh, and have taken this ride with us this week. So I just want to say we love you, Prince, and uh, please join us next week uh, where we're going to do part two uh, from the 90s and beyond. Again, I'm Roy Turner. This is Tricky Kid Radio. We'll see you next week.
2: May you live to see the dawn. dawn.